0: Hey, hey family, and welcome back to another episode of the Kay and Shy Show.
1: Today we're getting cultured.
0: Oh, yes. Cue the fancy music. Ooh, la, la, la. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, not that kind of cultured. We're talking organizational culture to be specific, although we'll cover a few other types of culture as well. This is something we're getting to teach a class on this semester at UNR. And so we're bringing you the best of the best of the material from that class.
0: All right. Now we're just going to, I just want to preface today's episode by saying, y'all, culture's a trip. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, when you get into this and kind of understand the levels at which culture plays into your everyday decision-making, I mean, it's a, it's a trip.
1: <laughs> All right. Get ready to trip with us. Cause here we go into culture.
0: Okay, so like with any good topic, we're going to start out with some definitions. So what is cultures? Now, cultures are learned patterns of belief, values, assumptions, and behavioral norms that manifest themselves at different levels of observability. So culture is a really uh, honestly,
1: I think it's kind of a hard thing to wrap your mind around. And we're going to mostly talk about organizational culture, those patterns of behavior. Really, if you want to boil it down, it's a, those patterns of behavior and and what what comes before that behavior, right? Like the ways of thinking and and the and the preconceptions that that get and the assumptions that get us to those patterns of behavior. But we when you can also think about culture, right? Scientifically, like a culture dish, like a culture of a colony. There's also culture. You know, I teach sociology at the university. When we talk about culture there, we're really talking about that manifestation of society's character at large, right? So there's all kinds of different levels of culture and they really permeate into our lives way more than people notice, which is why Kay said in the intro, it's kind of a trip once you start to realize how much culture influences you and influences your life.
0: We realize that the standards of behavior of the organizations, societies, and groups that you're a part of directly influence not only your way of thinking, but your way of acting, and as we know from Joseph McClendon the right? So we think as we feel, as we feel, so we do as we do, so we have, right? So the outcome of your life oftentimes can be directly correlated to the way that your culture's influence your character, and therefore influence the way that you behave in everyday situations, right? Culture is kind of like society or the
1: organization's identity and character expressing through you, the individual. And if you think about like whatever your Wearing right now, or whatever you're driving right now, or whatever surrounding you right now, you didn't just decorate it or choose your clothes or pick your car in a complete vacuum. All of those things happened at different levels of decision, and ones that lots of us aren't even aware of are the cultural decision makers and, and dictators that are behind those kinds of things. How you grew up? Did you know that 90% of, of people end up having the same political party as their parents? That's 90% crazy. of people's for the same sports teams that their parents did. So your parents and your primary group are the number one influencers of the culture that you at least start with. Um, but it, it's interesting because so many of us just, I don't want to say take that for granted, but think that we've crafted this identity on our own because it's who we, who, who we are and what we like. In reality, we've been heavily influenced by cultural things um, and people around us at like all the time.
0: Now, there was a book that Shyla introduced me to uh, that took a look at the rise of um, what is now called the Bobo section of people. And these are the uh, bourgeoisie bohemian people that have arisen in the upper class of of the US in particular. But the thing that kind of sparked me about this is that the manifestation of fashion has evolved rapidly as a result of the rise of the bohemian bourgeoisie. Now, if you go to France or Italy or somewhere in Europe, it is like not fancy to wear lululemons like it's not fancy to be in your athleisure wear however if you're here in the U.S. and you put a picture of someone in a nice outfit with scarf and heels and like a cute coat and you put that picture next to someone decked out in name brand athleisure wear and you ask the average U.S. teenager which of these people do you think is richer the majority of the time they're going to pick the person in the branded athleisure wear because of the way the has influenced the way that fashion is viewed in the United States, but it doesn't apply to people outside of the States. And people in Europe think that we are a bunch of lazy bums in our athleisure. <laughs> so that just demonstrates one tiny piece of how culture
1: influences the decisions that we make in our personal lives. When we shift and talk about organizational culture, this has really come out in this last generation. This was not a topic of study or of common vernacular. It, like 30 to 40 years ago, this was just emerging. So it's really interesting to see how rapidly, not only in fashion, but in our organizational experience, how much culture is coming forward as something to be touted, to be developed. At this. It's really a phenomenon that just wasn't analyzed at this level. And I'm sure glad that there is this level of analyzation now and that we can look at something like culture because as we move out of having to just eat and sleep and protect ourselves, right, and we become this advanced society, this is what we're building. Our societal structures and culture is a humongous part of that and Within our organizations, at least within a capitalist economic system, this is going to be the primary place that we spend our most money and our most time in investing in what a culture can and should look like. Um, and so that's what has arisen over the last generation. So super interesting to see what are those levels that we can study
0: culture at, you know? Right. So as we start to study culture at the organizational level, let's think about some cultures that you might know uh, that have exceptional cultures. Now, Southwest, I think, is an air, the airline. Uh, is talent, Very celebrated. Very yeah. celebrated. Mm -hmm. Well, and they actually went through a big turnaround within culture that included uh, things like giving the employees more decision making power, room to make mistakes and to make the customers happy. Right. Another organization that comes to mind is Costco, right? Employee owned,
1: um, always a trailblazer in terms of employee benefits and employee experience. Starbucks and Disney are both brands that I associate with good culture. You're always going to find people out there who say it's terrible or you don't really know. But as we talk about cultures and you'll hear and see their subcultures there's layers of culture. So often when we say we have a problem with X, what we really have is a problem with elements of X. And so there's definitely elements of Starbucks and Disney that there are certainly people who have problems with. But overall, I think they're celebrated for having good culture and rightly so.
0: Well, I think that the Starbucks and Disney are really good examples of cultures that exist, not just within the organization, but within their clients and customers as well, that then begin to identify with the organizational culture, even mm-hmm. though they aren't employed by that organization. Right. I th- when we think about
1: organizations that don't have great culture I mean the biggest one that comes to mind I think is (laughs) Amazon Amazon. (laughs) sorry Jeff (laughs) we still support Amazon wildly the parade (laughs) never stops at our house but they're not known for having the best culture maybe a company like Walmart I know they've got sections and and sectors where they really try um, but they haven't always been known for excellent culture now
0: if uh, um a Company has bad culture. Oftentimes this gets expressed in high employee turnover, right? People saying, I don't want to work here and quitting, um, improper communication, and incompatible company values. Maybe there's just no list of core values at all established for the company. You know, things like gossip in the workplace or offices, unfriendly employee competition, tardy or absent employees frequently, which could be a huge time and money waster. Um, and, you know, still hiring for culture fit and not hiring for people based on their. Skill levels. All right. So think about what
1: is culture. And we come back to that definition here. We've got the, sh- the learned and shared patterns of belief, behavior, values, assumptions, and norms. So, what is culture? Yes. right? it's It it influences and touches everything and therefore everything becomes a reflection back. Now, it's not always easy to track and, and figure out what precisely is demonstrating an underlying shared assumption. But when you start to unpack that, it is fascinating. And as Kay and I have been deep diving into our textbook for the organizational culture and leadership class that we're teaching, we've really been, of course, we have an organization and have had for 20 years. We're shocked at the level of analysis and like intentionality and just permeation of culture um, and how much influence it has that just Whoop, you
0: don't even realize uh, when
1: you're in the midst of it.
0: Right. Well, I mean, why are why is culture so important even in general, right? When we think about a group coming together, groups are created for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and this comes actually right out of the textbook um, that we are teaching from in our university class. It says, we huddle together for safety or security or to get something done. And the group's survival depends on the degree to which it accomplishes its purpose. Groups do not exist in isolation. So to get something done requires some kind 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 of action in the various environments in which the group is embedded. Now, it's the accumulated shared learning experience of that group in the pursuit of that outcome that ends up establishing the groundwork for the culture that then comes down and eventually influences the individual.
1: All right. You're like, that was a lot of conceptual (laughs) stuff. She'll tell you what it means. She's the big sister. (laughs)
0: No way. I think we're both going to tell you what
1: it means, or at least just give some examples, right? If we think about a, um, a company that's early in formation and the leader, the entrepreneur. Says, we've got to do, we've got to invest more money in advertising because advertising is what makes more revenue. And then the company invests in advertising and more revenue comes. And so every that that belief that we have to do advertising in order to make money gets underscored and now becomes something that 20 years later, this is a company that heavily invests in advertising, that has departments around advertising. And whether or not that's a truth within the larger context of a society may or may not be true, but it started with that person saying a belief, then it demonstrating that it was effective towards the goal, and then it becoming part of that essence or DNA of culture. So, you know, groups come together for a purpose is how you started that off. Think about originally serving that need was hunter gatherer right like protection and and our basic needs being met but as we've developed and gotten more complex so has the culture systems that go along with it
0: after a quick word from our sponsors we're going to get back and talk a little bit about what kind of culture makes for a high performing team we'll see you soon If you're hearing all this culture talk and want to be a part of a thriving, growing culture, we want to invite you to be a part of Squeeze In. Squeeze In Franchising offers you the chance
1: to bring a culture and a vibe like Squeeze In to your community. You can make money. You can get time freedom for you and your family. And we would love to have you as part of our Squeeze In family.
0: Join us in the ownership team and go to squeezein.com franchising.
1: You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions.
0: no secret that some cultures are better than others and that can be often seen in a team's results
1: right those outcomes those results and what we know from all the statistics you've seen the infographics employee engagement satisfaction at work longevity all predecessors of a good strong culture that vibes with the person and that's has been become a big part of kids these days and and job seekers is looking for a culture that they can get along with that they like that they feel supported in that they feel they have a positive influence in. Um, And that's not something that we were hearing generations ago. Um, So that's a really interesting emergence, I think, to see that this has become a major part of decision-making for a lot
0: of job seekers today. Now, it turns out that if we can really boil it down to what it is that workers are looking for, it's Mm -hmm. one word that gets manifested in a few different ways. And this one word might seem a little bit interesting to you, but just roll with us, okay? This word is safety, right? People are looking for safety. I'm looking for psychological and emotional safety, I'm looking for environmental safety, and I'm looking for experiential safety. Are my needs being met? right? This is
1: the, there's lots of research behind this. And when we think about what those three E's bring together, our emotional, our environmental, and our experiential, we want to be safe in knowing that our experience is going to be what we expect it to be. We want to be safe in knowing that our environment is going to be conducive to us having a positive experience and like a literally physically safe experience and our emotional safety. We want to know that we can rely on, that we're going to be taken care of by the organization um, and by the, the structure that supports it in a way that doesn't make us feel threatened emotionally. So when we bring these three together, we can see that this really does create what most people are looking for.
0: In Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, he actually profiles a company that found a really big tipping point within their manufacturing process uh, that was a small portion of what they did that actually created environmental safety issues and were killing people on the job. Now, it was a really easy thing for them to fix, like really focusing on the environmental safety of the people in the organization. Because at this organization, morale was low. Uh, All of those things that we talked about, uh, the signs of a toxic culture, those were present in this organization. And when they came down to what is the biggest thing we can do or what's the smallest hinge that will swing the largest door, environmental safety, physical safety in the manufacturing environment ended up becoming it. When people stopped dying at the workplace, it ended up boosting morale for the company and helping them turn around organizational behavior and become a high-performing team.
1: Now, we have a lot of experience with culture because we, as we've shared, have a few organizations at this point um, and help manage and lead others as well. So we get to, uh, to experience lots of different cultures. There's just ener- just different energetic signatures. And even uh, within our own cultures where we're the leaders, sometimes you can realize that, that, that uh, or you recognize the culture is bigger than you. Um, eventually, in the beginning, as we shared uh, earlier in the example, it starts with the founder, it starts with the scrapper entrepreneur and what they say goes, but their their ways of behaving and their, um, their personality types and their focuses uh, end up becoming part of that DNA and culture that's much, much bigger. And through our experience with culture, we've had times where, especially in our restaurant company, the culture was not very good. Um, there was one instance where uh, we, I believe in 2018, we rolled out new POS systems point-of-sale systems um, in our restaurant. We went from a server writing down the order on a pad of paper and then going to a computer and putting it in to an iPad handheld at the table where the server put it in right there. 2018, four years ago, still pretty innovative um, and and a big new scary change. This was going to be a difficult change for us to manage and lead through anyways. What made it exponentially more difficult is that the first a software partner that we went to for our new POS system was not good. POS ended up standing for, well, you know what it stands for. It was not designed for a full-service restaurant, and we suffered under the weight of that POS system and that software for eight weeks before we were able to get a new, very reliable, from a very big company, software in place and turned over in all of our restaurants. So this is the scene. It's been eight weeks of guests frustrated and and servers and and people maxed out and the restaurant's not having a good vibe. Like, talk about a culture-draining moment and we get everybody in the room and we and we're we're sharing some updates and yay we're trying to celebrate that the new POS is there but the underlying emotional tension in that room you could cut it with a knife.
0: Oh, it was thick in there. In fact, we actually had someone in the organization stand up and say what are you going to do about the morale problem? Literally in front of 80 other employees in person, in a meeting, stood up and said, what are you going to do about the morale problem? Now, up until this point, we had worked pretty dang hard on creating an environment of emotional and psychological safety, right? Um, Extensive research by Amy Edmondson shows that psychological safety is essential for high-performing teams because it's the belief that one will not be punished or Humiliated for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes. So up until this point, we had fostered the sense of emotional safety. And in that moment of real tension, Shyla responded to this person standing up and saying, what are you going to do about the morale problem in a way that created more emotional safety for the team at large? I, I mean, I basically said, "What? what can we do? What are your suggestions
1: and ideas? We know that this has been hard for you. We did not want to bring this on you. We're sorry that this was hard we've done everything we can we don't know what to do until you tell us and then this like that valve of tension was just released everyone knew what this was going to be a safe space to talk about it and even though they were hurt from the last eight weeks you could say our culture bank had been withdrawn (laughs) to the point where we were in the negative that one at least conversation got us back into a balance right we were at least at zero and we were able to talk about what were the things that could make it better besides the big obvious one which was changed to a more reliable software partner which we had just done but they were hurt and they wanted that reassurance of safety both from the emotional sense and the psychological sense as well as that um, that safety in the ability to do their job uh, which was being hindered by the other like literal hardware and the and the technical aspects of it so we opened up the conversation it turned out the biggest thing was we need better internet. We have new software, but we need better internet. So we upgraded everybody's internet. And within a few months, everybody was happy and smiling and singing the praises of the iPad POS system. And we were on our way, but that was a really rocky moment where our culture meters were down. um, But because we had been developing on our leadership skills, I wouldn't say we handled it perfectly, but we at least navigated it in a way that wasn't as painful as it would have been in the past.
0: One of my favorite uh, examples of like culture kind of in a, I think, an allegorical sense or maybe metaphorical sense. Uh, it's fr- from our book, and it says that culture is both stable and dynamic, mm-hmm, just as this. our body is stable if we think of the skeleton and the skin and organs, but constantly changing if we think of the cells and the various bodily processes. The stable parts like our bones can change, but not easily or rapidly unless extreme circumstances cause breaks. When companies go bankrupt or are taken over by a turnaround manager, the cultural DNA can be destroyed and a new organ. Organization can be launched. Now, that was a moment in our culture where we got a little bone breaking. We broke <laughs> a bone. We broke a bone. <laughs> but the reorganization of that bone ended up creating a stronger culture on the back end. But there are lots of ways that culture manifests, m- manifests both through those daily processes that happen through the body and those structural things that keep it going long term. Right. You can think
1: about culture being expressed in an organization by the phrase, that's how we do things around here, or that's what everybody believes. Um, but really, that's how we do things. That's what we believe around here. If you hear a phrase like that, or the undertone of that phrase, we're really seeing what does that company value? What does that organization uh, hold dear to. What does that organization demonstrate in terms of patterns of behavior, right? Oh, we always take care of the guest in that way. Oh, we always respond to um, inquiries this way. Oh, we always make sure that at every meeting we talk about things from a celebratory mode first, before we go into shares. Those are all demonstrations of values and assumptions and culture pieces. That's that more squishy piece, right? The DNA, it's not necessarily a bone where you can point to it and say that person raising their hand and asking that question That's a demonstration of culture, because it absolutely is. But those shared assumptions and belief are really that essence and that DNA um, that that you know tell the body what to do and how to behave.
0: Now, many of us, when we look to kind of figure out what a company culture looks like, we're gonna look first at maybe the mission statement of the company or the values that they've set out. But if you really want to know what a company or even an individual values from a cultural perspective, it's important to boil it down to how do they act? What are those standards of behavior, especially When times get tough now throughout this week, we've got some really cool mini. sods coming your way with examples and some additional learnings here in culture. And as always, this is coming at you with love from your sisters, Kay and shy. We'll see you later through the week. Hope you've had a great Monday.
1: This podcast was a production of angel Phoenix productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.